Hello and welcome to the Poke TCG cast. Alex again here this week, and I have a tale of a cheesecake that is beyond words and taste and texture. It is pure decadence in an edible form. I did make a chocolate caramel cheesecake this week for a friend. We'll find out how it tastes shortly. It's nice baking something sweet at home for a change, even if it is something I do on a daily basis. Aside from that though, I was planning on doing recaps on how the metagame has been shaping up since Roanoke, but given the metagame in both formats have consisted of Buzzwool, Zoroark, and Malamar, I'd rather look ahead to a future format where we have gotten a glimpse already from the Japan Championships at Makuhari Messi in Chiba. In this tournament, 956 masters were in attendance to this XY to Celestial Storm format. Now this standard format might seem a different and you'd be right as breakthrough is the start to our current standard where Japan goes all the way to XY. Because of this there's quite a bit more variety in their format because people have more cards at their disposal and certain decks do find themselves in a different situation than most as Zoro decks are variants somewhat halfway between our standard and expanded where they have the power of Skyfield but don't have the resource conservation of Execute. There are also other card combinations available as Forest of Giant Plants is banned only in their expanded metagame. And so, Decidueye sees a bit more play, especially with partners like Seismitoad. We still see some familiar faces as Buzzwool Lycanroc is a big force, and Ultra Necrozma to a lesser extent. Now, the big reason to talk about this tournament, though, is take a glimpse of how some of the cards from Celestial Storm will shape our metagame as well as decks we'll see at Words. For starters, Rayquaza GX is a strong card, and won all three divisions, although it was otherwise not so well represented, with only four of those decks appearing in the top 64 of Masters. We do see Magcargo take some utility in Zoroark decks, but this might have more of an effect on the expanded metagame given that standard versions of Zoroark play with other partners and usually need the bench space. What I was surprised to see, or rather not see, is the number of new supporters being put into these decks. Only one of the top 64 decks that we can see included one of the new supporters, and that was just one Tate and Liza put into a Gardevoir Sylveon decklist. Definitely not the supporter I would have expected, especially given the deck. So we can kind of predict that we will only play with some of the new supporters more or less out of necessity, not because of them having a high power level over the current ones. Now it was definitely refreshing to see all the variations of decks in the tournament. I honestly could not tell you how many different variants and archetypes that were represented in this top 64, but it was definitely a very vibrant and interesting metagame and kind of wishes that this was the case for our standard metagame as opposed to being centered around three decks and having the occasional rogue deck. Now because of all of that variation, it would probably take me too long to discuss them all, so I'll just point out that one of my favorite decks that I saw was Tomoya Sakurai's Electrode Hippopotus deck that got him a 58th place finish. Definitely check out his deck on LimitlessTCG.com. And Take a look at all of the other cool decks that plays there. 
Now, that's really what I've wanted to touch on, was kind of the existence of this tournament and some of the cards that poked out in the format. But the big thing that I want to discuss, though, is how this will impact the world stage. How will these cards from Celestial Storm determine what goes and performs well at Worlds this year at Nashville? Well, the first thing that we can do is think about how players choose decks for tournaments. First, players must be familiar with the decks that they play with. Given that Worlds will allow cards from Celestial Storm, that means that most players will have at least three weeks to grind some games in, and honestly, most Worlds competitors will get lots of hours of testing even from those three weeks starting, but for the most part, most of them have probably already started right now. As for testing them in a tournament, Worlds is the first place where the new cards will get played, and so there isn't really a chance in any form of capacity to try their decks against even locals, as even most leagues won't even have cups as Worlds approaches, let alone playing the same format even on a previous weekend. So. Most players will have testing groups available to try new decks, as well as PTCGO to grind games on, but for the most part there will be little information across testing groups as to how Worlds decks will be structured, but we can assume that people will bring their tried and tested decks that consist of cards from previous formats, like Baby Buzzwool and Zoropod. Now, as for successful new archetypes, we can pretty well assume that decks that include Rayquaza GX, White Curium GX, and Rushram GX would do pretty well at Worlds, with the exception that White Curium and Rushram both will be in Dragon's Majesty, our September miniset, meaning that only Rayquaza GX will be the basis for a new archetype, meaning that it may very well have a significant number of people decide to play it solely because it has been proven in a tournament of a similar format. Now that doesn't mean that there will be other types that pop up between now and then, but Rayquaza GX might get the most testing and get some of the more optimized lists. So we might expect Rayquaza GX to do fairly well in the world stage. Now, because of this, we might see a shift in the metagame where Gardevoir actually does decently well, which wouldn't be a surprise, but seeing a resurgence of that would be pretty interesting and show kind of how cyclical our Pokemon formats can be. Now, as Gardevoir hasn't really been a bad deck at all, it's just kind of fallen in and out of favor depending on the format, especially where one with a deck as aggressive as Buzzwool is allowed to exist in. Now, as for some other archetypes that might show up, will definitely depend on how different deck lists will get refined between now and then. But some of the cards that I might think will be tried to be fit into certain deck archetypes will be Blaziken GX and Blaziken for sure, as even a couple of the smaller non-top 64 decks that placed in the Japan Championships, there is one centered around Ho-Oh GX and Blaziken GX that was able to use Battle Compressor to get Blaziken GXs in the discard pile, and then use Blacksmith to power up 
Ho-Oh GX on the first turn for a first turn GX to get three Blaziken GXs on the board and continue throughout the game by using Blaziken GX's Explosion Flame Leg for 210 damage, discarding two fire energy, and then reattaching with Blacksmith. Now, given that Blacksmith isn't available in the format that Worlds will be played at, that archetype might not exist in the same form it does. As some of the attachments for Ho-Oh GX might get a little clunky, relying on Kiawe to power up a GX, meaning that it takes two turns to power up your main game plan, which in some cases seems a little clunky. But on the other hand, decks that are running a kind of tried-and-true Blaziken GX, Blaziken line, might look a little similar to Gardevoir decks, with the difference being that it needs ways to attach fire energy pretty much every turn, but also has a lot more consistent damage output, as opposed to Gardevoir relying on the defending Pokemon to either have a weakness or to have some number of energy attached. Now, I don't think cards like Swampert will necessarily see a whole lot of play, as in World, Swampert will require rare candies to get out into play, as opposed to in Japan, where it was teched into a Night March with Archie's Ace in the hole, allowing it to just get cheated out of the discard pile onto the bench to give additional drying power on a one-prize Pokemon. So, I don't think it will see play in the same capacity at Worlds, and I'd be really surprised if people decided to play a stage shoot deck centered around Swampert, especially when Empoleon and Garchomp, both decks that are centered around one prize stage two attackers, haven't seen the most success. For Garchomp, mostly in due to the fact that its energy attachments are a bit awkward, and Empoleon, given that Sometimes it's a little bit clunky and requires your opponent to play Pokemon under the bench in order to hit critical numbers. As for Swampert, it kind of looks like that it'll take maybe a few too many energy attachments to be able to reliably hit numbers with Hydro Pump. As even with just three water energies to fulfill its main attack, requiring a water energy and two aqua patches, that only puts it at 140 damage. So in order to hit any meaningful numbers like 180 or 190 on a GX, it'll require four or five water energy with a choice band to be able to take knockouts on, say, Buzzle GX or Duskmane Necrozma GX. So Swampert might not see play at Worlds given that people might not for something like Zork that's a lot more consistent and has energy attachments that are all clunky and also not requiring rare candy to get out quickly. Now, Manectric looks like a really interesting card as it's another card that looks somewhat similar to Talonflame as if you go second, you can play face card. As if you go second, you can play the card face down during setup, meaning that this card, again, also bypasses evolution, and it also has a nice retreat cost of zero, making it a very nice pivot Pokemon as well. It's a little bit odd, though, that you can only do it if you're going second, 
meaning that only f about 50% of the time you'll actually get to be able to set it up. So given that caveat, it probably won't see a whole lot of play as 50% of the time you don't even get to use it if you have it in hand. Now its effect does help with energy attachments a little bit as for an electric energy it does 40 damage and allows you to attach two basic energy cards from your hand to one of your bench Pokemon. So this does smooth out energy attachments a little bit but given that it does require an electric energy means that it can't be really splashed into every deck. Which is a little bit of a shame because even with Talonflame with a colorless energy being allowed to be splashed into every deck to search two cards from your deck, a number of decks didn't even want to play that. So I'm really doubtful that Manectric will see really any play, especially given that it also has a fighting weakness and with the electric requirement means that it will most likely need to go into an electric deck and with Buzzwool running around that's not a good plan. Now Deoxys also shows up this set in three different forms but one of these forms is definitely better than the others and that's the attack form Deoxys. As essentially it's going to be our new Mewtwo from Evolutions as a psychic tech against Buzzwool matchups. And you know what? It does pretty much the same thing unless you're able to shove it into a Malamar deck in which it does a little bit more. But for the most part, it's just going to be a tech that's going to be seen in probably Zoroark decks or other double colorless using decks to combat Buzzwool. Now an interesting card that wasn't actually seen at all, and maybe for a good reason, at the Japan tournament was Metagross. Now there's a Metagross card that was printed in Celestial Storm. It's a non-GX with 170 HP with an ability extend. If this Pokemon is active and you play Steven's Decision, your turn doesn't end. Now Steven's Decision is a supporter card printed that reads... After using this card, your turn ends. Search your deck for any three cards, put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. So being able to shuffle, search your deck for three cards is pretty strong. Now having to end your turn after that means that it's not much more than just like a splashable Sylveon. But with Metagross, when your turn doesn't end after using it, it provides you with quite a bit of options. as it allows you to, you know, find more rare candies to set up more Metagross, especially if you're playing it inside of a Metagross GX deck. It allows you to search for some tech cards. It even allows you to search for supporter to set up for your next turn, or even for work just in time for worlds, Puzzle of Time. Now, the setup for this is a little bit clunky as either you dedicate your first turn to just a hard Stephen's decision, ending your turn and hoping that your opponent doesn't disrupt your hand so that you can rare candy a Beldum into a Metagross. But if you're doing that, it means that you aren't using something like Bridget to help set up for future turns. It kind of relies on 
having a good hand in which that you're able to set up multiple Pokemon on your first turn as well as using Steven's decision. So Metagross seems like a good idea that with enough refinement might see some playing at Worlds, but at the moment it just seems a little bit too clunky and might be a more successful deck in post-rotation format. Salamence is another card that seems a little bit similar to this, as well as Salamence GX, with the added drawback that it also requires multiple energy types beyond being stage 2 Pokemon, and Salamence's ability is also a little bit clunky as it reads once during your turn, when this is your active Pokemon, you may switch your opponent's active Pokemon with one of their benched Pokemon. And although this seems fine as Salamence GX, his ability reads some similar to all of your non-GX EX Pokemon have no retreat cost. The big thing to note is you do have to do a bit of a game of switching between Salamence and Salamence GX as Salamence itself only does 100 damage for 4 energy. And Salamence GX does put out some larger numbers but still requiring fire and water energy being able to deal up to 200 damage. Now, because you can only retreat once during your turn, that means that more than likely after you attack your next turn, Salamence GX has to be switched out with either a Guzma or Tate and Liza or switch. And then using Salamence's ability to put a Pokemon out to active and then retreating with free retreat back to Salamence GX to deal a lot of damage. Now, Guzma isn't a card that allows this to happen, as you can just bypass using Salamence's ability altogether and just get to attacking with Salamence GX. But for cards like Switch and Tate and Liza, it might take a little bit of work to try to consistently find those every turn that you want to be able to use Salamence's ability. So. Again, a cool deck idea, but in practice might be a little clunky. Now something else that I was kind of surprised was that there wasn't any other big Zoroark decks like Sizer Zoroark. Now this is largely important because a straight Zoroark deck would just be better in Japan's format as you don't have to worry about setting up an additional attacker and you couldn't focus solely on using Zoroark as an attacker, giving you a lot more flexibility in your deck list. So it makes sense that Sizer GX really wasn't seen a whole lot of play, or really any play in, from what we could see in Japan's tournament. Now, I'm surprised that there wasn't at least one person that managed to put Ludicolo into a list, but at the same time, it's a stage 2 water Pokemon that you could try to do a little bit better with Swampert anyway, being able to draw three cards as opposed to Ludicolo's one card. But what I think might pop up at Worlds is a Ludicolo Mag Cargo list, maybe in part because that was a competitive deck some number of years ago, actually I believe it was 12 years ago, that centered around using Mag Cargo's smooth over to search a card from your deck and put it on top of your deck, and using Ludicolo to draw that card. Now, Ludicolo's circular steps 
actually can do a fair amount of damage, given that it is 70 damage base, which isn't terrible, but maybe terrible for its attack cost of one water and two at any, but it does 10 more damage for each Pokemon in play, except for this Pokemon, meaning that if you yourself, only yourself, no stadiums up, have five Pokemon on your bench, Ludicolo does 120 damage, being able to do 130 because your opponent has to have an active Pokemon, and more than likely will be having more than just one bench Pokemon, and so with a choice band, Ludicolo can do 170 damage. And within a deck list that includes Magcargo and Ludicolo to be able to really tutor any card from your deck at any time that you really need it, might be an interesting deck to be able to try out. Now, its setup might be a little bit clunky, as we can already see from even the Garchomp, Lucario, Cynthia lists. But I do think that Ludicolo has some potential, especially with Water Patch, Aqua Patch being an option, as well as not requiring to use Cynthia every single turn to get the proper numbers you need to hit. So now that I've just theorized a bunch of archetypes that may or may not pop up in Time for Worlds, a big determinant of what archetypes actually do show up at Worlds will be what people theorize between now and then, and if other tournaments show the strength of certain decks that might develop metagame counters to them, much in the way that Necrozma Malamar was developed and kind of made a counter to Buzzwool GX, granted the more traditional lists, we'll have plenty of time for people to figure out lists and figure out decks that they want to bring to Worlds, and they'll have plenty of time to refine those lists from cards from Celestial Storm. I want to thank you all for tuning in this week to the Pokey TCG cast, and I hope to see you next week.